Hello and welcome to Army of Crime, the internet's first and only podcast about anything in general. Yeah. Uh, uh, my name is Dustin. I'm here with my co-host, Matt. Say hi to people, Matt. Hi to people. Oh boy, that was clever. Uh, yeah. Matt, what, what are we going to talk about on this episode? Is it a comic book? It is a comic book. So in this season, we're looking at comic books. We are looking at the modern age, uh, theoretically, although we cheat a lot when we need to uh, on the guidelines. But this is a comic book that has been published more or less continuously uh, since 1984. So this is we're talking about Usagi Yojimbo, um, the anthropomorphic rabbit samurai published by... Um, well, it's been published by, I think, Dark Horse, IDW, um, Fantagraphics, written and drawn by Stan Sakai. Yes, like I said, since 1984. And we were just trying to figure out how many issues have been made uh, in the 200s-ish range. Um, it's a, it's like a, an institution on its own. So I have in my hands here the latest issue of Usagi Ojimbo, which is number 18, in the IDW series, and it is legacy number 256. So, okay, and the record is Dave Sim on, I guess, uh, the record for yeah, comic book issues made by one person, like published by one guy, like Dave Sim did 300. Yeah, yeah, so, uh an enormous achievement in and I mean, just in and of itself, we haven't even talked about what it is. So Usagi Yojimbo um, is a, is a lot of things, right? There's a lot in there of Japanese history and cultural Japanese like details from the like medieval period. Um, there's obviously, there's a lot of references to like samurai movies. Uh, the main character is the name, the main character's name is Miyamoto Usagi. So based on, you know, Miyamoto Musashi, uh, theoretically, and then also, I think um, a big inspiration would be the Kurosawa movies, you know, Yojimbo, right? Um, and then there's other, there's all kinds of other references to samurai movies as well as just like um, like the history of that particular period, as well as uh, myths and like folk tales and things of that nature. Yeah, despite being a funny animal book. The it has a surprisingly high degree of like period accuracy and detail, yeah, and, which is part of what makes it so fascinating. Is because Usagi is a wandering Ronin. You mentioned like the uh, Miyamoto Usashi and the Kurosawa films, like Yojimbo, are kind of like the you know it's playing in that kind of archetype, and he basically wanders into and out of various adventures and situations. And through that, you get a basic, like a cross-section look at Japanese culture and Japanese like myths and folktales. And there'll be stories about like kites or about rival uh, soy sauce makers or, you know, all sorts of things like that, or like tatami mats. And you'll, as a reader, you'll learn about, you know, all these like very like detailed things about Japanese culture from this time. Though in saying that, it's stuff. It's by no means like some sort of like dry historical reference material. It's at its core, it's very much like a rollicking adventure story. 
And but it's also, you know, it's more than that. It's a rollicking adventure story. And I think part of the virtue of it though is that even though the character characters don't seem to age all that much over the like what, like 36 years that this has been going on, the there is like a passage of time and the stories do interact with each other and there are recurring characters and recurring plot lines. So even though most Usagi stories are fairly standalone. It's not like each one exists in a vacuum. You know, there is like a larger uh, tapestry here that really comes into focus when you read, when you like start reading Usagi Yojimbo from the beginning, which is part of what I find to me for like monthly serialized comic book stories, Usagi Yojimbo kind of hits that sweet spot between being having like fairly standalone stories that don't require you to like keep a Wikipedia page open to like keep track of what's going on, but also having a continuity where things can build on each other and characters can leave and come back with some sort of reference, you know, like an emotional weight of these like lives going on and interacting with each other, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, and there's a lot there's a lot to recommend here. So you have the the art itself which is a, a mixture of like all, a lot of like these little details, like like the period details and fantasy elements because there's like little lizards everywhere and obviously they're like funny animals, they're like anthropomorphic animals. It's at a glance, sometimes you could almost think it's like this cutesy like animal art. I mean, it's not, but like it's these anthropomorphic animals, but there's like an emotional weight and there, there is some blood. He also does the thing of like, if someone dies, he puts like a skull above their head to show that they're dying. Yeah. Or, or like people were sleeping. It's a, it's an interesting mixture of, of, uh, of elements, you know what I mean? And, and you've got the, 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 the core of it is the, like the wanderer's journey, right? He's like this character, you know, like Yojimbo, but like fistful of dollars, Clint Eastwood or, or whoever who like just wanders the land, you know, and can get into any kind of adventure. Right. Um, And then it, it falls a lot on the, these kind of conventions, I think of samurai fiction, which is like duty, you know, being bound by, by duty um, or, or obviously having to stand for like your personal honor, that kind of thing. And then, like you know, like the politics of like the um, of like that feudal period, um, and like it cracks me up because one of the characters is a snake wearing a kimono, right? Um, yeah. We have like the bats are like ninjas. Still no explanation of how they do. They, I don't know if they ever explain why they ride horses, but that's a that's a side that's a side issue. That's like Donald Duck not wearing pants. I think it's just uh, I have to accept it. Um, Specifically, I think we chose to look at, uh, as an example, like uh, Circles, which is an early, I think an early story. I think it's usually put under, there's different printings. It's like volume six, which when you look at how many volumes there are, that's like in the first kind of, in the first like bit of his, you know, of the of the published ones. But it's kind of like a classic. I think it's considered a classic, right? And I think it hits on a lot of what makes Usagi Ojimbo so interesting. And it, it made me think of while reading it, um, this thing that in comics they they will do now, and it's we talked about this when we recorded an episode on Watchmen, but it's it's almost like a stereotype now of like let's have lots of violence and stuff because that's like adult or something, right? Like, um, or like people are being murdered all over the place because this is like a serious story. And 
in in Usagi Yojimbo, he has that like the emotional weight of it is is real. It's like an adult emotion. You know what I mean? It's like the the emotion is mature, but it it's not like excessively violent or whatever. And it is being done with these anthropomorphic animals. Circles is one of my favorite Usagi Yojimbo stories, and that's why I wanted to talk about that. And I think, like you said, Circles is one of many comics that and one of many stories that kind of perfectly highlight the various strengths of this 36 year long and going uh, comic book series. Matt, what is the uh, volume six circles about? So in, in Usagi, he's like the wandering, the wandering Ronin, right? Which is kind of almost like a stock character. Um, and his lord died in battle, so he's like masterless, and he wants to return back to his home village. That's like right. that's like the impetus for it. He has like his first love is there. His his master was from there, um, and he goes back. And there's a, a a character who actually is like a villain, um, who's almost a borderline like supernatural kind of villain who shows up in an earlier story that comes back again. And the emotional weight is between Usagi and like this boy, Jotaro, who um, is or is not his son, right? And it's like that that adult emotion, but not like adult, you know, it's like PG, right? And it's, it's, the, thing, it's the thing that's so impressive because I, I was reading this again, and of course, I think when I read this first, I probably didn't have kids. I have kids now. And you read it and you like feel it, man. It gives you the feels, right? With, with him and Jotaro. Um, but it's it's a it, but they're funny rabbits and they're and they're fighting with swords, so it's it's just like really cool. It's like a really cool thing, you know. I would recommend it to anybody. It's something you could give to anybody. You could say, "Here, read this. It's a comic book," and it's um and he does a lot with the wordless action. You know, the sequences where it's like people. There's a sequence where characters will just look at each other and the perspective doesn't even change. Um, and you can just see like their look and their eyes go up, their eyes go down. Um, like the duels between the characters, it's like wordless. They run at each other, and of course, the the dramatic tension is that until one character falls over dead, you don't know who won the duel, right? Um, it's just like masterfully well done, right? And and I think it really shows the strength of comics as a visual medium because of, there's large stretches of it that are wordless. You know, there isn't that much dialogue either, and there's not like a lot of narration. Yeah, it's not a dialogue centric book. Like as I think, it's it's definitely. It, and, and like action adventure story and it's very visually uh focused as you were kind of mentioning usagi his lord mafune which of course is a reference to the famous actor toshiro mafune died in battle and the lord mafune's former retainers are no longer being hunted down by the rival lord who killed Mufune. So therefore, Usagi and anyone else is no longer like wanted. So he goes back to his village. He meets his old love, Mariko, who had who is married to the man who was sort of like a childhood rival of his, named Kanichi. And Mariko and Kanichi have a son named Jotaro. But what Usagi finds out is that Jotaro is actually his son. And but Jotaro does not at this point, Jotaro does not know this. Kanichi knows it, and Usagi knows it, and Mariko knows it. So Usagi finds out 
that he has a son, but then, of course, as a samurai, he has to weigh his sense of duty against, you know, this desire, of course, that he has to be close to his son. And with that, there's also, yes, there, uh, J, G, uh, J E I is like this, uh, some sort of evil warrior who's like possessed by a demon or something. I can't, I don't recall exactly what the story is, but they're trying to kill Usagi there. Yeah. They're from a previous story. So Usagi has to protect his home village and rescue uh, Jotaro without actually letting anyone know. And Jotaro included that Jotaro is actually his son. It actually really lands the weighty emotions at play there. And of course, you do get like action. There are like some big fight scenes in a duel between Jay and Usagi. But, you know, it's very bittersweet. And that's what I liked about it so much. You know, it's it's interesting, too, because when you read Circles, there's a few other like standalone stories leading up to it, all of which are also uh, really well done. Like there's one where Usagi has to duel this like local swordsman and Usagi doesn't like basically want to do it because he's he's not like some sort of like bloodthirsty maniac. And it kind of shows the, you know, the tragic nature of these people who are willing to kill or throw their lives away to make money. There's a ghost story. There's a story about a demon at our bridge. Yeah, and then Usagi reunites with his sensei and goes back to his home village. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting twist too because the the sensei being dead and having to like avenge their death is kind of like a trope or like the you know the the masterless ronin the the, the sensei killed in battle and then he comes back to his village and finds that his sensei has actually been alive this whole time and he's like talks to him. Yeah. So it's like an interesting uh, a flip on that. And this isn't even in circles, but one of the things that I get a kick out of is he incorporates other, because um, there's like Lone Goat and Kid and uh, Zato Ino, the swords pig. And, you know, we mentioned that he's like partially inspired by Yojimbo, but there is actually a character who is much oh, yeah. more directly Genosuke, who is our rhinoceros, is actually much more directly like that Yojimbo character being that he's like dirty and sort of amoral and self-interested, whereas Usagi is very much like a stand-up kind of straight arrow sort of character. Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, he's uh, bound by the duties inherent to the samurai class, and therefore he uh, has to always make the, you know, he's a guy who always makes the correct decision, even if it leads to great... Uh, personal heartache for himself being right. that you know the woman Trapped that by by duty at all at all turns yeah you know it's interesting because sometimes i feel like really like straight arrow characters can be kind of dull but usagi is kind of always interesting and and it's like it's hard to really put your finger on why i mean part of it is that because he's a really cutely drawn like bunny rabbit character but the fact that he, you know, pretty much like always does the right thing. I don't know. He's he's like a he's a character that's still kind of compelling to me after 256 issues. Right. Being forced to choose that, that samurai drama, being forced to choose between the thing that you really want to do and the thing that you have to do. 
Which is kind of what Circles is all about. Right. You can That you can never go home again. And thus he is cursed to ever be on the Wanderer's Road. What other Usagi Yojimbo stories do you do you enjoy, Matt? I always get a kick out of like the, um, the like the I mentioned this before, like the bat ninjas and yes. like the uh, the snakes wearing the kimono. Um, who I, I think he's the is, bad guy, isn't he? Right, like like one of the major villains. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what I really liked was the standalone. He did a standalone where the Martians from War of the Worlds attack the world of Usagi Yojimbo, and I actually really like that. Yeah, I, they, he ends up building like a, like piloting a steam powered like mecha. Yeah, to fight the uh, aliens. Yeah, I really like that. That's a standalone called Senso, but it, it's a solid recommend. I mean, it's on my pull list as of now, so it's fun to be able to go back and read. Like, I have a bunch of the trades. I have a bunch of. I have the pull list coming in now. Um, you're just reading at it from both ends. And it's it's nice because you don't have to read it in order, but you can. You can read in order. You don't have to. I really like the, uh, like there's a number of recurring characters. Um, Sasuke the Demon Queller, who's like a, like this like mystical character who shows up sometimes to like fight like uh, demons and other various supernatural baddies. Uh, let's see, Usagi stories. There's Grass Cutter, which there's been a few installments of that, um, which is about these like legends surrounding a mystical sword. Um, Kitsune is a great character who's like, a, she's crossed paths with Usagi a, a number of times. She's like a kind of like a thief. She's also sort of like a wandering character, but not a samurai. She's like you said, I haven't read it either, but there's also Space Usagi. Yeah, they did a spin-off, a science fiction spin-off. He's also met the uh, Ninja Turtles several times. You know, I think the thing that to me is one of the most compelling uh, reoccurring stories in this is his interactions with his son, um, Jotaro, who, you know, reappears several times and Usagi has like been able to um, spend more time with him which is always enjoyable, but, you know, there's several, like, really great books. Uh, Fathers and Sons and Travels with Jotaro that are all about Usagi's relationship with the son that he can never, like, fully be a father to, which I always find to be one of the most interesting, you know, recurring aspects of Usagi Ochimbo. Do you know what I mean, Matt? I do. I do. So of course, then it changed publishers again, and now they're redoing it all in full color. Because for the first, basically the first, like, what, 30 years, it was all black and white with a few exceptions. And now the current the current volume, which is up to number 18, is in color, and they're recoloring all of it. Do you have any strong opinions about that? You know, normally, if, if you were to announce that you're going to take something that was in black and white for the longest time and turn it into color, I would be uh, extremely skeptical. But the fact that, you know, Stan Sakai is involved in, in the in the decision making on that or whatever, it's not just being done by some random person. Um, I guess I don't have a problem with it. I'm going to trust Stan. If he if he says it should be in color now, I'm going to say, OK, I, th I think he's earned that and he's earned the. Uh, the, the trust that if he want, thinks it should be in color now, I think we can go with him on that. Sure. 
though definitely doesn't like lose anything by being in black and white. I don't know. I no, he doesn't. It certainly doesn't lose anything. Um, it's it's a very like like uh, it's like that clean like cartoon style. You know, like not cartoon in like a derivative way, but like sure, yeah. It's but like, like the black and white line art. Always like the modern coloring uh, style that they use. I don't feel like it's always like a super great fit. I'm just looking through the newest issue. Um, like, the, you know, I don't know how to describe it because I don't know that much about coloring, but specifically, but and let's see, the coloring is by it's by Tom Luth. He's always like credited as the colorer on these things. Oh, uh, colorists, hi-fi design. Um, I don't know. I feel like the Usagi with like the modern like coloring, the digital coloring digital coloring style looks a little a bit off to me like you know when you see like the painted like watercolor like covers like those are so beautiful looking right one thing that i've always loved about um that i do love about the art is just like the and we kind of talked about this a little before just like the character designs you know like yeah. like jen um you know usagi um, like the supporting cast, like the little peasant people, and they always have, you know, funny little faces. Some of them have like unibrows or something. Like all the all the little animal character designs are great. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I follow Stan Sakai on Twitter, and he always posts adorable little usagis. Yeah, like little chibi usagis. Yeah, just wholesome stuff, man. I think I uh, used to have a usagi action figure. I have one on my shelf right now, but the ears are broken off. Oh, okay. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I love Usagi Uchimbo. Excuse me. You know what's interesting, though, is we just talked about a little bit ago about Alberto Breccia. With Stan Sakai and Alberto Breccia, you would not mistake their art for one another. But when you read these old Usagi Uchimbo books, I think Stan Sakai also, like, there's also a very much, like, a handmade quality to it, where I think the black and white, you know, the black and white, like, boom in the 80s was, I think, partially just because it was cheaper. Um, but with Stan Sakai, I think you definitely see the artistry there and, like, that this is, you know, just as much a creative decision. And when you look at, like, the the line work and the inking in these Usagi books, they're, I don't know, they're just, uh, it's just like a wonder, they're just like a wonderfully beautiful, expressive, and you know, occasionally silly and occasionally sad stories with these animals talking and fighting and slapping each other around. Yeah. You know, like you mentioned, there's some great, like, visual storytelling. Um, but there's a scene between her and her husband, Kenichi. It's like a wordless scene where he looks at her and he's mad, and then she looks ashamed, and then he is, like, ashamed as well that he was mad at her. Yeah. And it's entirely wordless. Right, it's just and with only, her I think the only thing that moves on it is their eyes go in different directions and then their eyes go down. Yeah, she's standing in the foreground and Kenichi is standing behind her. Yeah, that's a great scene where you see the dynamic of the their relationship and like the different emotions that they're all going through through this situation. You know, and what makes it interesting is that Kenichi, you know, is not a villain. Like he's actually a pretty good, pretty good dude. You know, like it would be this love triangle situation would be much easier if there was like an obviously better choice. But, you know, Usagi understands that Kenichi is actually doing a really good job of being 
his son's father, so to speak, which makes his choice, I think, easier in some ways. But it's also, you know, as a reader, it makes it, you know, that much more compelling because there's no like obvious, you know, rooting interest. Yeah, he avoids the easy way out. And Usagi, I think, has to understand that that he that he is actually the uh, interloper whose presence is threatening to rip, you know, to tear this family apart. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Yeah, I would heartily recommend um, Usagi to anybody who's into comics even a little bit. Um, and then my, I guess my specific recommendation that I'll throw out there um, is Senso, the the crossover where they fight the Martians from War of the Worlds, which is just, you know what, that's a fun concept. Yeah, it's a fun book. I like, I like Senso. It's, it's, it's just a fun concept. That's our that's our show. Uh, thank you for listening. I am on Twitter at Army of Crime. Dustin is on Twitter at Dustin4444. The website is armyofcrime.com. Feel free to throw some five stars at us uh, on your pod, wherever good pods are cast. You and know smash what? Smash that it's, subscribe button. Uh, yeah, smash smash the subscribe button. Stay alive out there, everyone. Okay, I will. Okay, good. always be making content etc etc